happy Sunday after Resurrection Sunday. It's the Sunday that we hope everybody comes back and prioritizes gathering together in the name of Jesus again. So if you're watching us online and you could not be here or you're just taking the time to watch, we're always grateful for those who join us from wherever, whenever they can. But I am also always very grateful for those who take the time to prioritize gathering together. It's in the Bible that we gather together in the name of Jesus. We introduced a new series last week. We didn't really say that we were introducing the series, but we got this, the concept of this series from this, uh, this very gender-friendly word um, that, that, goes, that, that men and women alike tend to use. Um, it goes something like this. When uh, a group of guys are together and, and one of the guys says, man, I'm hungry. Then another guy will say, same, bro. Like, and if you just gif or jif, whatever demographic you want to say. I call jif peanut butter. It says G-I-F. That spells gif, so that's what I call it. But if you, if you just write same, there's like a plethora of those little things that and it says same back and I'll I'll shoot that to my friends if they're like man I'm really frustrated today I'm like same bro tell me about it let's come vent together come on somebody or maybe uh maybe I don't know I've heard the ladies say like oh I need to get these nails done these things are ratchet and I'm like I thought ratchet was what you like loosen and tighten stuff with but apparently apparently it's a description of fingernails um I've even, heard, I've even heard the lady say something like, uh, man, I've got to get home because it's hair wash night. And then I'm in the background like, same girl, yes, in the name of Jesus, today is the day that the Lord has made to cleanse your grease away. Come on, somebody. <laughs> what? <laughs> I did not ask permission for that. But I was not gonna, yeah, number one, if you're taking notes, let's just get into that because that's where I need to go. The purpose of this series, the theme of this series, is that we still serve the same God, very important, of the same word. His words are the same. He is the same it's who he is. It's who he desires to be. It's not, it's not angry God of the Old Testament and then sweet Jesus of the New Testament, weird Uncle Holy Spirit after Jesus left. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are one and the same. Jesus was the incarnation of the Father God, the the essence of who the Father was. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then Jesus said, I will send the Holy Spirit. I will send one likened unto myself to come and walk alongside of you. And I'm going to address something with this idea, again, of a biblical perspective. I understand that this is not the only worldview out there. It's just the only worldview that we should have. And, and I don't have time to argue that. I would love to have that conversation at some other time. 
Because I believe, as I stated last week, that, that it is most reasonable to put your faith in the God of creation and, by the way, the Son of God, Jesus, based just simply on the resurrection. It's actually more reasonable to believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and he was who he said he was and he will come back as he said he would than it would be for me to believe that 11 unpopular, uninfluential Jewish guys pulled off the greatest hoax in human history. I've said that over and over again. And so I believe that we still serve the same God of the same word. And because I believe in God's view of society and the world, I sense the release to address something that I need to do very carefully, okay? And, and by the way, considerately, compassionately, I asked the Lord to help me. I even asked God, this was one of those things, I said, God, I, I don't want to address this if this is just a crisp frustration or a soapbox. And, and in that, I felt a release because it's something that I teach my children. But right now, we live in a day and age where there is so much confusion going on. Again, I mentioned it last week, and I've made mention of it before. I'm just, I'm just defining these things according to the word of God. We have young people in this community that don't realize it's a sin against the word of God for a man to marry another man and a woman to marry another woman. Okay, hang on. I, and listen, I, I'm not here to to condemn you today, that's, that's not the point of this. And no, it's not just an Old Testament principle. I will show you verses in Timothy, in Romans, and words that came out of the mouth of Jesus. So, so I, I'm not here to argue that, but I, I think it goes back further than that. It's not discrimination, hear me. Discrimination is a real thing. Racism is a real demon. And by the way, he wasn't buried in the 60s. He's still alive and well in churches, unfortunately, and, and buildings today. It's why this hour of the day is still the most segregated hour of the entire week. Come on, because racism is still real. It wasn't dealt with because Dr. Martin Luther King did something about it. It will be dealt with as we continue to do something about it. Okay? And prejudice and racism have no place in the heart of a human being that say they belong to Jesus. No place. None. On either side, we are one in Christ. That's what my Bible says. Every tribe, every tongue. However, the agenda of a man marrying another man or a woman marrying another woman, the agenda of a man being able to claim that he is a woman or a woman being able to claim that she is a man, these gender pronouns this too is a demon. It's a demon of confusion because it goes against the creation of God Almighty. And it is not discrimination for me, according to the word, to be unwilling to do something that God tells me not to do. Okay? But I think it goes back even further than that. Hang in here with me for a second. Please don't get offended by this. I don't preach on this every week. I'm just defining it biblically today because we still serve the same God. And his word is the only thing that lasts forever. I believe 
as I was watching on a show the other night, we have gone from something that used to be obviously unacceptable to something that is being forced into society. And it has been forced into society slowly through entertainment because they knew that if they could make something by they, I mean powers and principalities of darkness. I'm not talking about people. The powers and principalities of darkness knew that if, if they could make something amusing, then they could make it acceptable. And go back 20 years ago to when these things became amusing. When it became amusing for a male to begin to be excessively effeminate, like a female. Or when it became semi-acceptable for a woman to be overcompensating and excessively masculine. Okay, now hear me, time out. Very important. This is really important. I still believe that men can be sensitive. You don't have to be a jerk and hard-hearted. You can still be compassionate. You can still cry. It's okay to cry. Even when, you know, maybe you're not supposed to. Toy Story 3. He gave Woody away, y'all. He gave Woody away, man. I was like, dang. Not supposed to say dang when you preach, but... I walked in this morning and... A lady standing beside her husband. I said, I really like that dress. That's a really nice dress. That's not something that most men would probably say, but I emceed pageants and I was raised by my mama. Get off my back, okay? <laughs> my wife is grateful for the things that I notice. So I'm not saying that there's not some, some stereotypes that we still need to overcome. Like I believe a woman can have as dominant as a personality as any man that God created. And I believe that a woman can be just as strong of a leader as any man that God created because he didn't create women for leadership. Come on, he created women for companionship. And you don't need a man to do what the Son of Man has anointed you to accomplish. And I ain't got time to preach that sermon today. I'm not saying there's not some likeness. What I am saying is there's a difference. And to be flamboyantly effeminate for a young man is unhealthy. And when I was watching a show, and it came on, and it should have been an, uh, an enjoyable show. Is it cake? Some of you have maybe seen it. It's creative. It's cool. Like, I can't tell. Is that a shoe, or should I eat it? I don't know. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, we've got a grown man with a beard who is talking and acting flamboyantly like a woman, and then he says, you know, my husband at home. Because that's not funny. Because my son was watching this very family-friendly show, and now he's like this. And I have to pause and explain to my seven-year-old the confusion that is being caused in this culture because we began to accept things that we should have never accepted. And I'm not just talking about one area of infidelity. I'm talking about all kinds of stuff. Bad things happen when the church and the men in the church don't understand who God's called them to be. Bad things happen when the women and the women in the church don't understand who God's called them to be. When we began to accept an inch, the enemy took a mile. 
And I believe that God is calling us back not to be ugly, not to be filled with hatred and anger, but to win people and to convince them of their God-given identity. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 Verse 13, I'm reading from the English Standard Version because it's one of the few versions that uses the phrase correctly. He says, be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong, okay? Now, we go, oh, I'm strong, I'm a man. Let all that you do be done in love. Get over yourself and lay your life down for your family. Don't just have babies. Be a daddy. Come on, somebody. Help me preach this morning. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. And then Proverbs 31 tells us the image and the picture of what it looks like to be a woman molded and created in the image of God. And it's more than just being the wife of another man. It's talking about being the bride of Christ because everything points to Jesus. We're reestablishing what God has said. And we need to be careful to acknowledge that the New Testament still designates the difference between a male and a female. It's not an Old Testament principle. The New Testament, in my Bible, that by the way, Catholics and Protestants alike agree with, Matthew through Revelation, the New Testament still teaches the difference between a husband and a wife. The New Testament still teaches the difference between a father and a mother. It's not that there can't be some crossover. It's not that there can't be some similar character traits or personality traits. It's just that there is a difference. See, my Bible doesn't say that we were all created equal. My Bible says that we were all created differently, but in the image of God Almighty for the glory of God Almighty. And when we try to be independent individuals, we miss out on what he had for us because he has always called us to be the church. One body. Come on, I preached it before. I'm going to do it again. One Lord, one Christ, one spirit. There is no longer Jews and Greeks or blacks or whites or red or yellow. There is just one in the eyes of God, in the image of Jesus Christ, covered in the blood and accomplishing his will because we serve the same God and he has said the same thing. It's just who he is. That's the biblical perspective. Well, your, your worldview is just... Your worldview is just Christian. No, it's not. It's biblical. My worldview is based on what this word says. I still serve the same God. In fact, I still serve the same Jesus. I took way too long to make that point. Let me read the scripture. Luke 24, verse 1. The Bible says very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb. Thank God. Thank God that a woman did what she was supposed to do when all the men scattered and hid and became comfortable and content outside of what God had called them to. Thank God for the women in the house and the women in the church and the women in my life that never stopped praying and never gave up. The, one, the women went to the tomb. Look, because they were prepared to do something about what had happened. Verse 2, so they found. See, they don't find if they didn't go. I can't get no help this morning. They don't receive if they don't believe. If they don't seek, they don't find. Come on, somebody. 
But because they went, they found. Because they knocked, the door was open. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, verse 3. So they went in, but they didn't find the body. Watch, watch why this is so mind-blowing. They went in and didn't find the body. Verse 4, as they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. Verse 5, the women were terrified. And you would have seen every effeminate tendency that my mama trained me in if I'd have been standing in that tomb and two people just appeared all of a sudden. I too would have been terrified. And they bowed their faces to the ground and the men asked them, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Here's what he was asking. Why are you looking in the parties and the places why are you looking in the relationships that you're not supposed to? Why are you trying to find fulfillment in dead things? And you're looking for the one who is alive and the only one who can fill that void inside of you amongst the dead. You won't find him there. You won't find her there. Come on, somebody. <laughs> he isn't here. He is risen from the dead. I love this. Remember. Remember what? Remember what he said. Because anybody can have an exciting Easter. Anybody can have a resurrection Sunday. Come on, but can you have a follow Jesus through Monday to Saturday? Remember what he told you back in Galilee because his word is the same. Listen, if I'm wrong about this, men, women, male, female, but I've just seen this thing progress just in my lifetime. Think about it, 20, just the last 20 years. I've seen this thing progress from something Oh, well, they can't help that they're a little bit more feminine or, or they can't help that they're a little excessively masculine. I'm not talking about a woman being athletic or a dominant personality or good leader. I, I'm, I'm talking about attempting to appear something that you were not created to be. And I've seen it progress from, well, you just got to be kind. And you got to love them and, and be careful and to, okay, now, now, you're, now you're a racist, if you won't do a wedding for two men, you're a racist. To, na to now, not only do they want to act like, but they're going to do surgery to become what they want to be. And, and now, now, you don't, now, now it's too far, right? Because now you're messing with my children, and I will die on that hill. The one that Jesus died on. The truth. It's the hill of truth. By the way, covered with grace and seasoned with salt. Watch, let's keep reading. Verse 7, he told you, what did he tell you? He told you that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, but that he would rise again on the third day. And by the way, if he rose last week, 
He's still alive this week. And, and tomorrow, when you're not in here and everybody around you isn't clapping when you live for Jesus, come on. <laughs> he's still alive tomorrow. And he's still alive the next day. And he's still alive next Saturday. And he's still alive next Saturday night. And he's still alive next Monday morning when you wake up and your whole world is falling apart and nobody but you is willing to worship in the room when nobody else is around. I say lift your hands, weary sinner, open your mouth and remember that Jesus Christ is still Lord of every area of your life that you have surrendered to him. Y'all sit down before we stay here too long. Verse 8 says, and then they remembered. It would be like us having a funeral because somebody we love goes out of town. We watch this on America's Funniest Home Videos, which is still the greatest show on earth. And these two little girls are at home with their daddy and mama. Come on, ladies, you feel this deep in your soul. Mama decided for one night to be an adult and go to dinner with her friends. And these two little girls are losing their minds because their mama is gone. And they are stuck at home with an individual that was not created by God <laughs> to be able to by himself outside of the anointing of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost three times over to be there alone without a helpmate. Come on, somebody. And these little girls are beside themselves. And the oldest one's like, she's going to come back, I think, but it's okay. And the dad's just filming it like, man, I really should spend more time with my kids. <sighs> like, they really need to know that I can still feed them and stuff. Like, we're going to survive. <laughs> this is what the disciples did. Oh, come on, it's funny when we watch a child do it. But when something goes wrong in your life, And we forget, hang on, he's still alive. He's coming back. He's watching, he knows it's gonna be okay. I don't have to chew everybody out around me. I can't get no help in this convicted sanctuary this morning. I don't have to throw things. I don't have to cuss or curse. Come on, it ain't neither one of them okay because bitter water and fresh water shouldn't come out the same God-delivered mouth. Come on. Anyways, so they remembered. The Bible says they remembered what he said. And then verse 9, so they rushed back from the tomb to tell the other 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. Here's point number two. See, if they needed to remember, then guys, I need to remember. The point of all of that, besides keeping you awake and engaged, the point of all of that was that we have to sometimes, we have to remind ourselves that he's still on the throne. It doesn't, whatever happened out there or, or whatever happened when we opened our account all day long and looked at it, 
Whatever happened to our investments, whatever's happening in our world, whatever's happening in our health, guys, the tomb is still empty. And I have learned over the years that I need to remember who he is. And I need to, I need to remind myself of the things that he said. Let me say it this way. You, can, you might want to write this down. Sometimes in order to remain in Christ, because y'all don't tell people this, okay? But there are times I wish I wasn't a pastor so I could act like some of y'all. When you forget that you're a follower of Jesus. But I, I don't get away with it. Well, you call yourself a pastor. She's right. Well, you call yourself a Christian. They're right. They got you. And there are times when I, in order to remain in Christ, instead of like, stepping off in what everybody else is standing in. I have to remind myself who he is and what he said. It's not what would Jesus do. It's what did Jesus do. He already showed me because he already told me. Mark chapter 16. Let me give you a quick disclaimer. Some texts leave these verses out, verses 9 through 14, are not in all of the text. Some versions leave these verses out. The reason being, this text was discovered later. It wasn't discovered in the first century when they first discovered the book of Mark. They discovered these verses on another piece of papyrus or in, a, in another uh, first, first to second or third century log as it had been handed down. So they decided to put it in with the Gospel of Mark because two things, really important. Why do we have these books? Because we believe in the Hebrew Bible, Genesis through Malachi, and we all agree on the canonized scripture of Matthew through Revelation. So we agree that these verses should go in that passage for two reasons. One, it fits the text. Like the literary language, the tone, the story, it goes with this passage. Well, why wasn't it in there in the first place? We're not saying it wasn't in there. We're saying it wasn't discovered in some of those earliest documents, and then it was discovered, and it fits the text. Here's what's even more important. It's theologically sound. See, that is why some books, and I will just go ahead and say right now, that is why the Apocrypha, or some books are different, and they are secondarily canonical. It's not that they're not still good for teaching. It's that they don't belong with the rest of the books because they don't go with the rest of the books. This book says something different, or this passage says something different than you can find anywhere else in the Bible. It doesn't fit the text, and it doesn't fit theology. This passage does. I know it's an over-explanation. I just wanted to be mindful of it and explain it for anybody that checked me on it later. Verse 9, I do my homework. After Jesus rose from the dead, this is very biblical. He rose from the dead... Early on Sunday morning, watch what Mark says. This is why it's included, right? It fits. It's theologically sound. It agrees with other passages. The first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene. We just read that. It was the women that went to the tomb. 
The woman from whom he had cast out seven demons. I don't have time to preach this, but if Jesus can deliver her from seven demons, you're going to be okay. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you're going to make it. God, God can still work with you if he could deliver what most scholars believe to be a prostitute of seven demons. Then he can deliver you. He can forgive you. If he, in other words, if Jesus wanted her to follow him, he wants you to follow him. Verse 10. I want to preach that more, but I, I can't. Verse 10. She went to the disciples who were acting like them two little girls whose mama left them. Can you believe we closed our business? I thought he was going to establish the kingdom. He said we were going to sit at the right hand. We were going to be there with him, and now he's dead. He's dead. Oh, yeah. Simon Peter's like, I don't even have a boat. Like, I denied him to the little girl. My daddy won't let me fish, and I can't catch nothing anyways. <laughs> Thomas is like, ain't even there, y'all. Thomas ain't even there. They're grieving, and they're weeping. But she went to them and told them what happened at Easter. When a thousand people made the extra effort. And everybody prioritized. She told them what happened, what she sensed, what she saw. And the Bible says this in verse 11. But when she told them that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they didn't believe her. Have you ever heard the truth and doubted it? Because it didn't fit your feelings? Have you ever known the truth and just not been able to convince yourself of it? Because what you saw didn't line up with what was said? Have you ever heard somebody else's testimony and thought, uh, well, I'm good, that, you know, that's good for you? Maybe you feel like Mary Magdalene, not like a woman necessarily, unless you are, which is really important. But you've told them, see, I see this every year. Every year I see children and teenagers go to camp for four days and have transformational experiences in the presence of God because that's why they're there. And they come home Easter excited. And they try to share it. And people douse and extinguish and discourage their excitement. They say things like this, ah, it'll wear off. They say things like, oh, well, you'll calm down. Guys, where's that scripture? See, I, because I thought, I thought that our worldview, a minute ago, man, y'all were ready. Amen. A man is a man and a woman is a woman. Hey, you should live for Jesus all year round and be as excited about him every day as you are on Easter. Oh, man. Why do you expect the world to live for Jesus if you're not living for Jesus? Don't trade one sin for another and get frustrated that other people sin differently than you. 
Be holy as he is holy. Come on, somebody. She told them of her encounter with God, and they didn't believe it. Have you ever heard somebody else's testimony of generosity and giving and how God came through even though it didn't make any sense because they trusted him with the first 10% of it? Oh, I knew it was going to be about money. It is about money because you cannot serve both God and mammon. It is. We're trying, to, we're trying to preach what we practice. It's not even hard for me to practice what I preach in that area. It's fun. Like, it, it's easy for me. That's a gift. I am scared to not give what God asked me for. What's hard is to share it without offending you. That's tough. Because I could tell you time after time after time where God said give, and I said, man, are you sure? Because I'm going to put them in a bind if I give this. Give it. Yes, sir. <sighs> nah, I knew you could. See, I would never, never doubted you. I knew I was supposed to do it the whole time. You need to talk to her next time because I was ready. And I try to share that with people. You know what they say? Oh, that's good for you. You, you missed it, man. You ever heard somebody's testimony of deliverance? See, if I had a woman today come in here bound by seven demons and she came up here and manifested and I cast those seven demons out in the name of Jesus because I'm not afraid of that stuff. If I cast those demons out and she manifested and then she walked out of here free, some of y'all wouldn't come back to this place next week because you're not comfortable seeing in person what you read about in the Bible. Oh, I can't get no help today. Well, I'm just not sure that's for. It might not be for you, super Christian, but somebody that's bound by seven demons, they need somebody to believe for deliverance in the name of Jesus. They need somebody to speak up, anoint their hands with oil, and cast the demon out. We ain't even got to scream about it and be emotional. Like, out in Jesus' name. Make a spectacle of stuff. Why? We're so emotional because we're so disobedient. Because we're so unfamiliar with what happens in the Bible. Have you ever heard someone else's account of who God is and had a hard time believing it for yourself? Somebody else's miracle, physical, financial, spiritual, somebody else's supernatural encounter with God. And all you think is, well, that's good for them. I just, man, I don't know. Well, that's what the disciples did. But I have good news. Verse 12. So afterward, after what? After Mary shared her story. After Mary told him the truth. After Mary was just willing to be obedient to what God told her to do. Afterward, he appeared in a different form to two of his followers who were walking from Jerusalem into the country. And since he appeared to them, verse 13, watch, watch this repetition. Verse 13 says that they rushed back to tell the others, but no one believed them either. You see this pattern? You won't believe what God would do. God came in and... And that's what we do. But watch this, watch, watch, because he's not done. Because the Bible says in the next verse, verse 14, so, so he appeared again. Here's what, every time 
that you miss it, he shows you something else. Every time that you share it, he shows up in another way. They might deny it in front of you, but you just do what God told you to do and God will do what only he can do. Because every time that they doubted, Jesus showed back up and appeared again because she was faithful. Ultimately, the Bible says he appeared to the 11 disciples as they were eating together and he, whoa. See, full of grace and truth. Same God, Genesis to Malachi, Matthew to Revelation, same God. And I can promise you, number one, I'm watching the clock, but I can promise you the point that I wanted to make. I can promise you that you would rather be rebuked by the people around you than you would be by God and or the Holy Spirit inside of you. Hear me, friend. I've been rebuked. Well, I've been rebuked by my parents a lot, but it was justified in most of those occasions. But, but I have been rebuked by my biological father. He's a great daddy. We just didn't agree. Because I read stuff that I wanted to believe. Pages in this book that God said were for the people that believe in him. And when I shared that with my biological father, I was rebuked. And so in that moment, I just made a decision that I would rather be rebuked by my earthly daddy because I already knew what it felt like to be rebuked by my heavenly father. I had already made these decisions and decided to doubt the things that I read that he said. So when I decided that he's still the same God and his word is still the same and he continues to reveal himself to people even when they doubt and there may be a little bit of rebuke that comes to pass but I'd rather be rebuked by the people around me than my heavenly father who knows what he has for me. God has been faithful because he is the same God and, this, and Jesus is the same Christ. Jesus continued to reveal himself over and over and over again. In other words, if you will answer the one-year challenge, so many points right there, y'all don't even know. If you don't have a church home and you will decide today, you know what, I'm gonna give my life to Jesus and I'm gonna connect to this church. I'm gonna plug into the body of Christ. I'm gonna give God one year of my life with this church. I promise you, if you will go, you will find. If you will knock, the door will be opened. Just like it did and just like it was for Mary Magdala. Because number three, and I'm closing with this, everything begins and ends with Jesus. Everything. See, that's so cliche for a bunch of Bible Belt people that have heard it all their lives. But everything, everything begins and ends with Jesus. See, if you understand this, then you can read every Old Testament story and you can see Jesus. Joshua, Jesus. Moses, Jesus. Delivered from Israel, slavery to salvation, Jesus. 
Jesus was the rock. Jesus was the water. Jesus was the cloud. If you read the Old Testament with the understanding that Jesus begins and ends everything that has ever been begun or completed, then you can read the story of Balaam's talking donkey and go, Jesus. He was the fourth man. I ain't got time to preach it, but the, the fourth man in the fire. He was the one that walked across the water to Daniel and the disciples. He was the light that burst forth across creation because the sun wasn't created by God until day four. When God said, let there be light, what he was saying is, let the whole world know what, e- what heaven has. Everything. Everything begins and ends with Jesus. So Hebrews 13, 7 says this. Remember your leaders. By the way, I'm not talking about me. Because I'm not the only person that's taught you the word. And I want you to make sure and understand that there is one thing that you should teach the next generation above everything else. And I'm not against baseball or football. I pray to God that Brian Kelly's Prophecy was right yesterday that at some point this year the defense makes a stop. Come on, somebody, agree with me in the name of Jesus. But I can teach my children everything there is to know about finance and stewardship. And I can teach my children everything that there is to know about leadership and and, and authority. And I can teach them everything that they need to know about I was going to say math, but I can't do that. I can help them find somebody that can, I can teach them everything they need to know athletically and academically and just life skills, you know, like taking a bath and washing your hair. Hallelujah. But if I don't teach them this, not just in what I say, but in how I live, if I don't teach them this, The reason that I shared with you about being excessively effeminate as a man or overcompensating masculinity as a woman is because God told me, Chris, that's not a soapbox, that's scripture. And I asked him, God, I don't wanna preach my opinion. I don't wanna preach my interpretation. And the Lord told me, Chris, if you teach it to your children, you teach it to mine. And so the leader, who's a leader? Anybody in this room with influence? So you're a leader, 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 you're a leader. I could go all the way across this room and point at every single person because every single one of us teach somebody something. So what are we teaching? Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. And now I love this, because I told you this a couple of weeks ago. I didn't even know this was in the Bible. I knew verse 8. I didn't know verse 7. It's a habit that I have. I go to popular verses that everybody knows, and I look around to see what else God was trying to say right there. Think of all the good. You remember a couple of weeks ago, for those of you who are here, and I said, I, I, what I, I have examined over the last few years People who decided to follow Jesus and live for God versus people who decided to live for themselves and do what they want. And I've just noticed. I said this two weeks ago. Then I found this verse. And the author of Hebrews is saying, think of all the good that has come 
from the lives of people who teach this word in what they say and the way that they live. Because if you say one thing and do another, then you teach people not to believe what you say. No, I can prove it. Just small example. I'm going to bust you. And then you don't do it. You just taught everybody in the room that you say one thing and do another. Because people don't believe what you say if you don't do it. But think of all the good. I can't help but think of my first pastor that I was on staff with, Vernon Abels. He just passed away in January. It's Pastor Jeff Abel's uncle, just so happened, right? Because I just believe coincidences, right? God didn't have a plan, it just happened. I worked for Jeff Abel's uncle, and now I'm 40 minutes from Jeff Abel's. It's crazy. Just a coincidence, I'm sure. God had nothing to do with it. That's not reasonable. Vernon Abel's, that's who I think of. The good that came from that man's life. Oh, he ran around all over the place. I learned some things not to do in leadership and ministry, and, but it was the heart. It was the heart. Oh, God, give me 50 years of marriage. God, help me to be faithful to this ordination for the next 50 years. God, help me to pastor your, let me, let me pastor your church and my family. God, let my boy love Jesus. Let my children serve God. Father, let my wife love me the way that his loved him. Think of all the good that has come from their lives because they lived according to this word and follow the example of faith. Why? Because Jesus Christ was the same in 2020 as he is in 22 and as he was on the day that he was resurrected from the grave. And the Sunday after Resurrection Sunday is just as powerful as Easter Sunday. And Monday morning is too because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, into my tomorrow and all the way to my forever. I'm finished. But if Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, in other words, if what he said to the disciples about the resurrection was true, then everything else that he said to the disciples is true as well. So if we trust in the resurrection, then we can trust in every other aspect of who he is.